It's time for a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this morning? I'm doing quite well, and I'm pretty excited because uh, I know we'll talk about it later, but I just got a nice uh, reminder of a sale uh, in the mail yesterday. We'll talk about that in, yes, in, in, in just a little bit. But what what can we talk about today? Well, you know, I thought we'd talk about with a little fall nip in the air, etc. one of my favorite wines in the entire world. And we talk about it, but not enough, and that's Chianti from Italy. I'm telling you, I it is one of the most versatile red wines there is. And the styles and varieties, uh, you know, the area that is Chianti uh, crosses central Tuscany, and that's an area that really runs from uh, Tuscany to south to from Siena to the north of, oh, maybe 40 kilometers north of of Florence. And then in the center of all of that, that Tuscan region where, incidentally, they've been producing wines for millennium, the Tuscans, uh, etc., who were the predecessors to the Romans. But anyhow, the wine region of Chiani itself is just enormous. Uh, in Chiani Classico alone, there's over 19,000 acres under cultivation. And that produces a lot of wine. It has a noble, noble history. Uh, going back, the first reference to Chianti was about in 1398 when they talked about the wines of the Chianti Mountains. Then again, the next big thing uh, designating the area was Cosmo de' Medici III, who in about 17, early 1700s declared uh, that Chianti was a special wine indigenous to that area. And then come along 1840, the uh, prime minister, of uh, who was agricultural minister at the time in 1840, uh, Benito Rissoli, uh issued the official recipe for Chianti. And there begins the controversy. The official recipe for Chianti that he issued in 1840 was 70% Sangiovese, 15% Caniolo, and 15% Malvasia. And that was what you had to produce to produce Chianti wine. That was the mixture, uh, the cipage, if you will, which means the blend of the grapes that went into Chianti. Uh, and that stayed in place for a long, long time. After World War II, uh, so many Americans went over there. And, you know, it, something that we have to remember was kind of a novelty was ethnic restaurants. Uh, they didn't really start coming about until after World War II. Oh, the big cities might have had them uh, in a special area, the Chinatowns, the Italian villages, etc., uh, parts of big cities like New York and Chicago and things like that. But uh, really ethnic restaurants going around the country, uh, there wasn't such a thing. And after World War II, Americans returned. They longed for that cheap, inexpensive wine that they had when they were coming up through the soft underbelly of Europe, Italy, uh, to defeat the Germans in World War II. And so cheap, inexpensive red wine was the order of the day. And people like Gallo made a wine called Paisano. Paisano, of course, in Italian means friend. And they used to sell jugs, uh, gallons of wines called Chianti. And then, of course, there was the Frescata, which is the Raffia wrapped bottles of Chianti, and everybody who's 
over 50 probably remembers those in Italian restaurants that have a candle stuck in one of them. And on is a centerpiece in the table was that Rafia bottle. And a Rafia bottle is a round squat bottle, and it was wrapped in Rafia. And the idea of the whole thing is it was a, probably the very first thermos in the entire world. What they used to do in the Italian countryside is they would buy these Rafia. In the morning, they would, or in the evening, they would fill the Rafia up with wine, put a cork in it, and lower that Rafia into the well at the main house. And then the next day when they had to go into the fields with their lunch, etc., they would haul up that bottle. And by that time, of course, the Rafia was soaking wet and sit it out in the sun. And as the Rafia uh, dried during the day, that caused the uh, wine inside to say chilled. And that was the origins of the Friscat that went on the outside of the wine bottle. Well, those things uh, soon became associated with inexpensive wine. And besides, it would cost a lot of money to put that Rafi on the outside. So today, those are sort of collector and odd things. And there are a few that make them, but they have the Rafi made in China, where labor is cheap, etc. And there's very little Rafi covering made in Italy today. And it's just as well, because today, those inexpensive wines that we came to know like that, and frankly like, uh, have evolved into really fantastic wines. Uh, you know, Italy is a unusual country, and the whole thing is vineyards from the very tip of the toe of the boot all the way up into the Alps. Uh, there are vineyards all over Italy. And I submit Tuscany probably produces maybe some of the best wine that is produced in all of Italy. You know, it has Brunello uh, di Montalcino, and Vino de Montepulciano, and uh, to mention a few that are very good. Plus, it's the home of Super Tuscans. Now, what is a Super Tuscan? A Super Tuscan is a Chianti that isn't made by that recipe of Riccasoli's, which was produced in 1840. Uh, they began in the early 70s to want to experiment with new varietals, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, uh, maybe even the a little Nebbiolo, etc., in Tuscany to see what they would come up with. And they came up with some wonderful things. But the reason they're called Super Tuscans is they have no credibility in Chianti because they have to be labeled Vina Tavola, or table wine, because they have no pedigree. Because But the land is so good and rich there that these Super Tuscans command the very highest prices for Italian wines in the entire world. And, and they are wonderful, and they're nothing more than Chianti made with different grape types. They're from that rich economic uh, soil area uh, that, of Tuscany that is called Chianti. And, of course, Chianti Classico, and here's an interesting story as well. Chianti Classico has to have the Gallo Nero on it, the black rooster. And that's one of the better areas of Chianti. Uh, it compromises that area that was outlined by Cosmo de' Medici III in 1716, uh, etc. And it's kind of funny that the Gallo family from California at one time sued the Italian government for using the word Gallo on a bottle of wine. And, of course, uh, Gallo seldom loses suit, but they lost that one. And today you can see the Gallo Nero 
on Chiani Classico, and that's the better Chiani. Chiani comes in all levels, and that's maybe one of the reasons it's so appealing, I think. You can buy a Chianti for about $10, and you can buy a Chianti for about $60, and the difference really is in the bottle. They're very, very different wines, and they're made differently, they're aged differently, etc. And today, ever since they have sort of repealed that blending law, today the only law is that it must be 80% Sangiovese to be Chianti. So they can put whatever they want in for the other 20%. But And a lot of them today, Chiantis, are 100% Sangiovese. And Sangiovese is a very interesting and wonderful wine. And as I said, a Chianti goes with so many different dishes. Uh, you can have it with everything from cod and the tomato sauce uh, to duck, uh, to, of course, pasta and pizza. Uh, are just seem to tomatoes, you know, with their acidity and sweetness, absolutely lend themselves to all types of Chiani. And as I said, there is just a kaleidoscope of Chianis to choose from, uh, from $10 a bottle to $60 a bottle. And like I said, the difference is in the bottle. They're really well made. And of course, if you went into Tuscan, Super Tuscans, which as I said, are Chianis made from Cabernet Sauvignon, and that type of thing, those cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and some people claim uh, they are some of the finest wines in the world. I wouldn't disagree with that. If you've had a Tignanello uh, or an Ornolaya, etc., you can compare those wines with any of the great wines of the entire world, and they'll end up with a favorable uh, comparison, believe me, and same thing with a favorable uh uh, rating. So Chiani really is not your grandmother's wicker carafe uh, where they use the bottle for a candle holder. And they, they weren't only in restaurants. I, a lot of people had those candle holders in their houses, and they had a little charm to them. But again, they're antiques today because nobody makes that rafia to go on the outside of the bottle. And we do have thermos bottles today, so you don't need it to keep your wine chilled for lunch like those poor workers did hundreds of years ago, but it worked at the time. And what it did is just show you how interesting one wine area can be. So whether you're looking for a, a soft, light, easy red wine, or you want something big and bold to have with wild boar, you're going, you can find it as you look at the Chianti area. And if you ever get the opportunity after our pandemic is over and the travel opens up in the world. The Chianti area of Italy is a joy to visit. That's, it's all Tuscany, and as I said, it runs from Siena all the way up to Florence, and it's all hill towns. And as you go, you see these forts on top of the hill. You know, they fought battles over those for the last two centuries between the uh, people of Florence and the people of the Medici and the people of Milan. Etc. You know, Italy was all, all chopped up, and so each area is vastly different. But as you go through Chiati, the restaurants are wonderful, the wine is great, and the scenery is breathtaking. And whether you headquarter in Florence or you headquarter in Siena or you're bold enough to go out and headquarter out in the countryside in one of the smaller villages, you're just going to have a fabulous time. It's one of my favorite parts of the entire world. And I'd suggest that you ever get the opportunity, don't miss it, go there, because you won't be disappointed. The food's great, the wine is superb, and the scenery and the ambiance are just not to be believed. So put it on your calendar to go 
and visit that Tuscan region of Italy, and don't forget to try the wonderful wines of Chianti, because it'll make you a real believer in the joys of great Italian wine. Boy, here, here, I uh, recall our favorite trips, our CCO tours to uh, that region, and you're right, well, <laughs> and I, I, I miss it. I'd love to go back there, for sure. Yeah, I miss it, too. I had the only time in my entire life I ever invested in a vineyard was in, I was a partner in a vineyard in Chiani, uh called Villa Cafaggio. It was in Greve in Chiani, and you'd think you were in a backwater town. Well, that was the first town in the whole world that I'm aware of that dispensed wine by the ounce. It had, about, I think, 38 spigots in this little thing, and you bought a few pager euros to go in, or they might have even been liras at the time. Probably. Yeah. And you paid your lira, and they got a little plastic card, and you put it in, and it would dispense an ounce, and you'd get to taste these 38 different Chiantis from around there. And now I've, they've exported that technology, and you can see it in San Francisco and a lot of other places today. Uh, but the, the first place I ever saw it was in that little town called Greve in Chiani, which was about eight kilometers away from my vineyard, which was called mm. Villa Cafaggio. Villa Cafaggio, yes, indeed, I know it well. Well, Jack, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I received a, a little catalog in the mail. Tell us about that. Indeed, today is the day. It starts Haskell's annual fall sale, and what a sale it is. Thousands of wines are on sale, not just hundreds, but thousands. It is absolutely incredible. Your favorite wine, no matter where it's from, you're going to find it on sale at Haskell's right now during our annual fall sale. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. Haskell's in Bloomington. There's a Haskell's in Excelsior. Haskell's in Faribault right off of 35. Our super seller up in Maple Grove is not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, uh, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, visit us online at Haskell's.com. And don't forget, not only does Haskell's deliver, you can call and pick up outside with no problem at all. So Haskell's is the place to buy wine, and today is the start of our big, huge fall sale. Don't miss it. Absolutely. Good deal. Thank you, Jack. So much fun. Let's talk again next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Very good. Jack Farrell from Haskell's.